have you seen Hellier yet? That program? No, I've uh, seen it. Uh, I've seen it advertised, and uh, I've seen a couple of people mention it on Facebook. I've, uh, it's some of that. I've got so much going on watching that I'm gonna. I've put it in the queue, so to speak. So no, I haven't yet. No, I'm a bit stuck on Treadstone at the moment, so I'm still watching <laughs> Treadstone. And but no, what over Christmas, my wife and I, we uh, we binge watched Hellier season one and season two. I, I actually didn't realise it's on YouTube as well, so. You don't have to have an Amazon account. It is actually on yeah. YouTube. But basically, Hellier is about some American uh, paranormal investigators. It, it's interesting because, in a way, it's a bit psychic questing. It's kind of mediumship psychic questing. But then th- there's a number of issues with it. But I think it's very relatable to what we wanted to talk about today because what we wanted to talk about is how we can often misunderstand general mental connotations and believe them to be mediumship or psychic or or something like that you know we kind of think that sensory perceptions are actually some spirituality so in this hellier what happens is it starts off as kind of a normal sort of paranormal investigation and the things they kind of have is they start to seem to have this synchronicity which is a key word that they string along throughout the whole series now don't forget i'm a medium ian's a medium and I'm quite sceptical towards Hellier, which I shouldn't really be because it is actually a great piece of TV. I just think there's there's a great discussion to be had about kind yeah. of the investigation and research. From an investigative and research point of view, they miss a load of stuff, which is yeah. crazy. But what I want to concentrate on is how they try to connect the dots, basically. Something happens in one area or something happens and they automatically try to connect it. So uh, so that that's called apophenia, which you know about as well, don't you? I do, yes. Apophenia and periodolia, they sort of go hand in, go hand in hand um, of how the brain sort of brings over and interprets visual information into the visual cortex. Yeah, well, with apophenia, I suppose, is how we interpret our surroundings. So, so how it works with apophenia is we can break that down is basically... What we start to see is a series of, like, say, connections or a series of incidents. So we might, you know, let's say we hear some random knocking on the door. We look at outside and we don't see anyone. And then we think, oh, that's a bit strange. And then something else happens. Let's say a cup falls down or something else, something that may be just completely unrelated. But then we start to think, we start to say, oh, you know, actually, maybe these are related. Maybe these are tied together. Maybe there's some sort of synchronicity, as the Hellier team believe, that one paranormal connection, one paranormal incident or alleged paranormal incident is actually connected to another. So apathenia is not just experiencing the paranormal, but it's experienced things like gambling is people start you've all heard of you know kind of how luck is or or in sport as well is how luck is very very connected with sport you know certain footballers before they come on to the pitch will actually touch their boots or knock them together or they might carry the ball or they have to be in a particular position and this is because they have an apathenia that they believe that there's a connection when the first time they ever went on the football field and they were successful it was also the same time tap the boots three times or something like that. Yeah. And this runs through in Hellier is that you've got this sort of feeling of them. They're connecting all these dots and they tie it together. And instead of saying, actually, do you think we're just being a bit sort of paranoid? It's well, actually, no, it's apophenia. You're over interpreting 
and it's not hallucinations, but they're over-interpreting kind of a situation. And this happens in mediumship as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You know, there's uh, mediumship. There's uh, there's a lot of information. You know, people seem to think it's just having feelings or just hearing words or seeing, but it's multiple of. You know, my your guide William often mentioned it as a thought bubble that is conveyed from the spirit side into the brain of the uh, medium. What was that? <laughs> uh, no, that is Millie. She's on one, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, cat, right, is, okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Marty. It sounded so, like Millie Cat was going uh, bu- bungee jumping or something. <laughs> she's, uh, she's running around. It's basically, you know, when, you, uh, when you're when you a kid, you're on, well, when you're on the telephone, you have a kid saying, can I have an ice cream, can I have a sweet? Can oh, I-? right, is she, yeah. You know, she didn't ask him for an ice cream, man, just being a prat. When you when you look at the uh, at the uh, topic, you know, there's multiple uh, sort of thoughts coming in that or thoughts are coming that contain visual, auditory and sensory information. And your brain is trying to think, hang on a minute, I, what's this, what's that, what's this? And trying to make sense with it on what you all, what your brain already knows and past experiences and such and makes reason it and that's why some mediums when they are talking they will just stop you know stop talking they will listen and then they have to process and then they get talk again so that's why you get mediums going quiet when they're giving a your, your message it's gathering the information making sense and then saying it so there is a hell of a lot going on so okay well let's say with the case of apophenia that we how as mediums can we kind of not get ourselves snowballed into believing that somehow everything that we are experiencing is connected how can we kind of take ourselves out of it and i suppose that that is actually the solution is we do have to take out we have to overall look at what's happening and that and I think also as well is interesting that you used to do reports for all the ghost hunts. I did, did, yeah, yeah. You used to do the reports for your for your ghost hunts, and that allowed you to step back and actually see a greater connection. But from a statistical point of view, which I think is far better than relying on the human brain in some way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's apophenia is, is that we obviously mistake what's happening and how connections i mean in hellier there is this session where they're using the spirit box don't ask ian because I, I mean obviously we're not big fans of spirit no, box definitely not I, I can't stand them so they're using the spirit box in the middle of the woods and apparently there's a word tin can okay now at the time you're kind of thinking right okay and apparently this guy saw this vision of a tin can okay they then decide to go to this haunted cave but then actually they don't go to a haunted cave they go to this old railway uh, entrance and they must only be about 20 or 30 foot in the entrance they're that scared well i mean i'm presuming because there's no explanation why they don't actually go further into the cave but they stood out and the first thing that they see when they go into the cave is there's a tin can on the floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they, placement well it's either two things it's either placement or there's naturally a tin can there because if people have camped there, people, you know, some people, especially the younger generation, unfortunately, and, you know, some of the older generation, they will leave rubbish behind. I should imagine the amount of people who've cooked a can of beans on a campfire, you know, it's quite a lot of people yeah. who've done that. So there's yeah. bound to be tin cans left behind. But actually, they then work this into the story that this tin can is obviously a sign from spirit or a sign from a spirit. Or it could actually be a manifestation of a shape-shifting, <laughs> shape-shifting, <laughs> a shape-shifting alien. 
Now, the thing is, I really believe in very, very weird stuff. But even for me to believe that this tin can, which actually reappears in, in season two, because yeah. they go back to the place and it's still there. So yeah. to me, that kind of rules out that. I mean, that it must be a really boring job if you're a shapeshifting alien and you decide to become a tin can and then you stay there for 18 months waiting for the team to come back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? We have to be, certainly as a medium, we do have a responsibility and we do have to say to ourselves that these are probably not connected or if they are connected, we then need to rely more on our spirit guide and ask our spirit guide more about, a particular situation so we understand what's actually happening rather than believing it to be synchronicity which is going to be a big keyword over this next year i feel simply because of the hellier use of the term when actually a lot of this could e- easily be described as you know a series of unconnected events that are only connected by the theories of one you know a particular group or one person yeah. it's kind of an ongoing narrative it's now paradoia I can never say that word. Now, I'm going to let you explain what that is. Okay. Periodolia is processing random information. It is visual. And basically, the way that the, your brain works is that the you know the light hits through to the retina of the back of the eye, changed into electrical stimulus, sent over to the cortical, the higher cortical functioning via the thalamus, which is very much just above the brainstem at the back of the head. And what happens is that is when we are looking around the building, we're looking where we're going, or even on a normal basis, the eye is constantly moving. You know, obviously, um, you know, that old adage, you can't see your eyes move when you look in your mirror, you know. But the thing is, is that your eyes are moving constantly, approximately around three times per second. So when you're reading, everything is a little bit slowed because you're focusing, you know, you're focusing on an area. Now, when you see patterns, then your brain tries to sort of match them up with what is already in your sort of iconic memory. Um, And it sort of comes over into your sense like, you might see a stain on, on your wall, as happens in old buildings, and straight away your brain is trying to make sense of it. You know, is it a, a threat going back to cave times? You know, your cave, your caveman times, and then you will start to see a, your face because that's what your brain's looking for. And then before you know it, you've got a whole figure there that is replicated. That is what it must be. If it's the face of a person, there must be a body of a person. So your brain is looking for where that is, and it matches up from through things you've already seen natural day you know everyday objects let's say for instance you have a mop is sticking out of it it's got a rag on the top it's leaning close to the door there's a light switch with a a very large cable coming down from the ceiling and before you you know you are thinking that cloth because bear in mind it's dark we you know in the dark you lose a lot of detail because because obviously there is uh, with the uh, light it forms on the uh, on the photo re- photo receptors of the brain um, red or green blue and we can get a sense of depth a sense of loads of sense of details 
that lost a little bit in night because we are looking at rods rather than cones, cones at daylight, rods at night time. So we don't get that much detail. So the brain is going to work harder to try to make, oh, yes, that is so-and-so and make a semblance. So you automatically see a, uh, or you can, should I say, see a sort of a cloth on top of a broom head, on top of a mop, you know, and you think, oh, that is somebody's hair. Next thing you know, um, it's all put over to a black monk or, or there's a hag in the corner. Another... I think also, Ian, I, th- I think another thing is interesting that you mentioned about the rods of the eyes and, and yeah. that sort of thing, because certainly one thing that we experience many times on a ghost hunt or whatever is people will walk past an open door and if there's something in there, let's say mannequin or poster yeah. on the wall, yeah. they are looking forward, but the rods on the outer side pick up that there is a shadowy figure or there's yes. a or even just something like a poster and the movement of the in the rods seems to indicate that there's actually movement in that room when actually there's no movement at all yeah. it's just yep. you're walking forward so pareidolia which i can never say can it can be in its basic form in where and we used to joke about i see faces in carpets <laughs> um so you see faces or shapes in clouds or you see faces in bushes now that's important about the faces in bushes because this is the whole reason why the brain has to interpret random images and things like that because when we was cave people they had to be permanently aware that any time they were going to be eaten by saber-toothed tiger panther or whatever so if they looked into a bush and they could see the face of animal or another tribal or whatever, we needed to make that decision quick. And that's where, as, as uh, Ian said, it, it taps into your inner archetypes, really. And suddenly you are aware of a threat in front of you. So this is far. It's doing its job. Unfortunately, what a lot of people tend to do is they misinterpret this as being some sort of paranormal experience. So... Things like orbs, I mean, I'm going to talk about orbs. I'm not going to talk about what they are, but people used to look at orb photographs and say, I can see a face in it. Well, you couldn't see a face in it. What you can, what actually you're doing is looking at this random image and you're believing that there is a face in it because your inner archetype is actually saying, this could be a potential threat because there's a face. Is it a happy face? Is it a sad face? Is it an angry? Is it going to attack you? Is it going to eat you? And that's what your brain's going through whenever you see stuff like this. A lot of the paranormal photographs that we ever had sent into us or that I've ever investigated or seen, I would say almost 98% were seen by the person who took the photograph, didn't see it at the time. When they looked at the photograph on a computer or when they used to have a physical photograph in the olden days, <laughs> 20 okay. years ago, then they would see this, see something they interpreted as being a face, a body, or some sort of being. And again, it's our brain creating patterns or trying to interpret a pattern as some threat or something that it can relate to. It's a, it's a very, very natural point of view. And this happens in mediumship. And how it happens in mediumship is sometimes in circumstances like ghost hunting, a medium will go along with another person's experience that oh i can see a face over there the medium might be sensing an energy in that area and say oh yeah yeah I've, I, yeah i can sense it and feel it they are sensing and feeling it but it's not the face what they're seeing it's not the face it's about using your sensibilities and we, we've said this time again we, we say it in our course and we 
And we first started the podcast, we talked about what is not a ghost. And certainly with pareidolia, the amount of imagery and and things that Ian and I see that that get sent to us through Facebook, we get tagged in on Facebook or Instagram. I don't think I've ever seen anything conclusive. I don't know about you. No, no, ne- uh, definitely, definitely not. Can always be put over to uh, you know people say oh there wasn't anybody smoking, but it's cold in this person's breath and there's you know light anomalies normally caused by the camera itself. Um, and people you know people want to believe seeing is believing. Um, and I do feel a lot of it. Oh, but there must be because they've been told it's haunted, so therefore I must have caught the ghost whatever on camera absolutely yeah i mean this is the paranormal is difficult you have to really in all circumstances whether you are an investigator or whether you're a medium you do have to step back yeah it's same with the information that you can get and i've done psychic quests in the past where we've been led to particular places from the information that spirit has given us it's interesting that when i've reviewed it you know two three years later down the line i then realized that actually Half the time, the spirit wasn't talking about a physical place, but uh, or it was describing something that was happening uh, as a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, we did an investigation of Painswick in Gloucestershire, and we was given information from a spirit, Woodchester Mansion, and they were telling us about uh, about a temple that exists in Painswick, and and um, we've never heard of it. I'm from you know Yorkshire, so. There's a temple. It was created. It was created for for nobility to come together. And it was dedicated to the spirits of the woods around Painswick. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely nonsense. I I've never heard of this. This is sort of very early internet days. There was nothing on the internet. We couldn't find anything. They told yeah. us to go to Painswick and we would find it on this particular bend of a road. Didn't think anything of it. Thought, well, this is a bit strange. I went into the library. I tried to look for Painswick ghosts. I tried to look for Painswick. So I thought, you know, I'll have a look for Painswick Temple, maybe that. And it was, there was a temple. And so, so it said it was at this whole area, at this hall in Painswick. So we drove down there, went there. And guess what? Where it was on the land, we weren't allowed on the land, unfortunately. But where yeah. it was on the land, it was on the bend exactly where the spirit told us at Woodchester Mansion. So the oh. spirit was right yeah. about, about that. But it was interesting. There was loads of other things that drove us to that. But we, I also realised that during that term, there was a lot of other leads that kind of sprung off of that that weren't correlated at all. We were told to go to a particular churchyard or graveyard, and we would see some further evidence of this temple and a, and a spirit we met there who called himself the Woodsman. That he was a local man who worked in the woods, and it wasn't actually anything to do with the temple. We realised, you know, sort of two three years down the line, that actually I would say about only seventy percent was actually connect to the temple and what the spirit wanted to see yeah and 30 percent was just bumped it was apophenia it was us kind of thinking oh my god this has happened this has happened but when you stripped it back actually you know there was a small amount of uh, you know something was actually related to the spirit and then there's always this noise and i think that's a lot with mediumship if you're doing mediumship investigative mediumship or sometimes you do get what i like to call noise really is mm-hmm. that there is some information that doesn't hit and that doesn't mean that i'm in an uh, you are an inaccurate medium or i'm in an accurate medium i think it's just times when we let human brain into the <laughs> into it no, into no, it. no definitely definitely so 
I think that's the problem when we've talked about interpretation as well, isn't it? When we've talked yeah. about when you're reading tarot cards, is that sometimes, I, and this is the problem, is sometimes you give a reading, and if you do not keep a tight focus on that and really, you know, kind of focus on your psychic mediumship, if you divulge from that, that's where you end up in trouble because sometimes you don't realize you've actually slipped into, oh, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, saying things here that don't probably connect. And, and they'll say, oh, I don't understand that. And you'll say, oh, hang on a minute, you know, I need to just reconnect here. Yeah. And it's just your brain just interpreting what you've just experienced and you kind of go off track. I mean, that, that happens to everybody. Doesn't it? it does, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, within mediumship, you know, you you have to bear in mind your own personality, your sort of viewpoint as you're growing up, you know, what, what you learn from your parents, your siblings, you know, your, your kids at school, the people you work with, you know. So your mediumship will always be clouded to a certain extent by who you are. And that is evident in, you know, in some mediums might focus on, on monks or dark entities and some don't you know um it's their sort of makeup i uh, i do feel which can influence the mediumship being given by um spirit you know um so yes there is that you know the the trans mediumship which is basically you are going into a deeper state of relaxation and allowing um spirit to sort of have more influence over your thought patterns tend to come forward where the information is more direct without your own thoughts and judgments clouding the original message. It's almost like free form information coming straight through and, and trance that you've seen on television with people walking around kind of, you know, strangling or, you know, investigators who've done that and said, oh, I'm in trance and they're mm. walking around almost zombie-like with their eyes closed hitting people and all that. That's not transmediumship. The transmediumship no. that I remember from, you know, 20, 30 years ago was nothing like that. It was very quiet in a room. Sometimes, I mean, we sometimes had transfiguration as well, where the face seemingly changes as well. And then obviously there's this information from spirit and flows all the way through. It, there's no sort of interpretation. It just comes directly from spirit. Yes. I, and again, I think it's almost like a... Um, and you can put me right on this, actually. But to me, with trance, to me, it definitely feels like almost like a meditative state in that the information comes through and it's very pure and very strong when the medium is fully linked and fully at a particular state, brain cycle stage. And then sometimes, especially near the end, when you can see that there is something happening and, and often what will happen is the medium's voice will change. Or And, and I've experienced this with you where... And this has been just randomly talking. I know when William's kind of cut in because suddenly your whole voice construct has changed. How you structure a particular sentence changes. And I've noticed that with trans medium is sometimes near the end when they're getting tired or, you know, kind of their focus is lost. They'll often come back and it'll be a slow sort of process where you're getting a bit of information from both the medium and also spirit as well. Yeah, I mean, trance is uh, nice if you want to push into it and maybe we can do a podcast in the future or write an article or something and put it on the Essential 2 page. I just get, you know, really, when you're looking at trance, it's there is a the voice change, there's definitely a diction change and it comes over with 
the uh, topic and when it comes when you think back into even you know sort of the the period between the first and second world war and going over towards the latter part of queen vic period then often and not the uh, mediumship given over through trance was well and truly above the level of education of the person and without knowledge you know you might have a say a young lady talking about uh, do you call it engineering aspects or something which at that time was deemed to be a man's era you know it's just to do with men so women weren't taught it so i'm not being sexist okay ladies so it sort of puts all into a sense at times the trans uh, the information given by a trans is because it is outside the realm of understanding of that medium i think that's a really interesting point as well ian what you're saying there because i mean when you look at kardec and, yeah. and and kind of that movie where it was talking about the two the two sisters writing the book and yet they were writing of a it was a philosopher wasn't it who yes. um, who died what however many years ago they were writing in his exact style which which is absolutely yeah in his handwriting yeah it's so we just wanted to chat really just that a lot of people are talking about synchronicity and and kind of connections and that sort of thing and we just want to say really that you know as mediums we need to kind of see the bigger picture we need to be more kind of aware of what could be happening and that it's not as simple as black and white certainly with mediumship it's about interpreting it's about understanding keeping good records as, as Ian's you know highlighted it's about stepping back and seeing what's happening and not just trying to string a whole load of connections together and hoping that it all means one big great thing but as I say I, I think certainly all of if you're listening to this it's worth you checking out Helly I think the first couple of episodes are really interesting and and it's only let down by sort of most poor investigation in a way that there's lost leads and the second series really lets itself down as they go very similar, like most haunted, into the occult or alleged occult, and and that's basically seems like on a whim. But um, I mean, we've seen that countless times how paranormal groups, yeah. after a while, suddenly start thinking that they need to dabble in paganism, Wiccan. It, it seems like a a progression that. I keep seeing. I need to write an article on this. Actually, the amount of people. It'd be it'd be it'd be good of you to do that. Actually, Martin. It's interesting where people take their paranormal investigations, which is, I'm not, again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I'm just saying it seems to show a lack of, I suppose, a lack of focus that yeah. somehow it has to go somewhere, that, yeah. that somehow your paranormal investigations have to somehow progress into another area. Well, it's a shame that they don't go into nuclear physicists or sorry, not nuclear, quantum physics. That you know, I don't see people going in, rushing into that. That suddenly, oh, no. which I, that would actually be the more natural aspect to go into, wouldn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. I think certainly since doing my uh, science degree with the Open University, you know, I've come to appreciate the science a lot more in mediumship, you know, and looking at how the scientific can help the, you know, the aprophenia and coming over as well as the, uh, what do you call it, the pareidolia and taking a your step back, reasoning it. Um, if you focus too much, then you blind everything else and you're just seeing what you, uh, what you were wanting to see and you're reinforcing things. So taking a step back or analysing it isn't 
sort of saying it's rubbish because uh, by the t- if you I think it's in the words of Spock would be better you know if you rule out what no if you ruled out everything whatever you're left with however seemingly impossible has to be the answer so I feel that is what you need to do is to rule out everything and therefore whatever's left has to be right whether it's oh my god it's a ghost and we run you know so I think it needs to be looked at in that sort of thing and science needs to be with mediumship so anyway this has been mediums in action general you know sort of chewing the fat and uh, having a good think about mediumship as a whole and kind of if there's an area that you would like to cover uh, cover if you want us to talk about a particular aspect of mediumship or psychic ability or or even a particular news story then please do drop us an email or visit our facebook page Ascentia sent to um that's all you need to type facebook and we're there and uh, thank you very much everybody for your support and keep safe and we'll talk to you soon okay thank you very much lee bye